ever wondered why African contributions to philosophy, science and technology do not rank alongside other more recent civilizations? Well, I think it is because we do not know enough. Some brilliant archaeologists and historians have been busy and know much more. Welcome to the Ancient Roots Podcast, dedicated to conversations with these archaeologists and historians to discover and to wonder the how the ways of the ancients could help our modern ways. Do you think, you know, like in many of the African countries with the liberal democracies now, they have the representatives, either the Senate or the House of Representatives, who in many ways do not hold the crown, the president or the prime minister to, or the government to account like the old, the ancestors used to those non-elective houses in their Yoruba used to mm-hmm. hold them to account. It's sounding to me like perhaps that these people who are elected don't see the link between their role and what they used to be, what used to be effective, and therefore see themselves in, in the light of something that is not just imported, but something that is already there for them to tap into. Uh, yes, uh, one, of the, one of the shortcomings of uh, party politics in Africa is that it took power away from the people. <laughs> so the elites come together to create their political parties. The people have no voice in those people who come out to stand for elections. They have no say in it. This is a discussion among the elite. This yeah. is a power struggle among the elite. If we jettison party politics and we go back to each neighborhood electing people into local government. And from local government, you have people being elected into state government in a federal system like Nigeria. And then from state parliament, you see, so you can see from the from the neighborhood, yes. they elect, they choose who they want to represent them in the local government. Yes. In the local from the local the people in the local government, from their rank, they select representative in the state assembly. Yes. From the state assembly, you have people representing in the federal level. Yes. You see, that will bring power closer to the people. Exactly. But when you have two political party systems whereby there's no grassroots component to that party, party politics, the political leaders or the, the, the elite who formed these parties, they were interested in putting people there who will send them contracts. That's what they do, right? So from the beginning, therefore, people are already disconnected from the people that they are supposed to to represent. So I think uh, party politics, uh, is is, which is one of the elements of liberal democracy in the West. Yes. I'm sorry, it doesn't work because those party politics are products of very deep history. 
Exactly. They evolved it. They've evolved it. They, yes. And so but, know how to control, manage it. Exactly. But but in, but in Ghana, in Mali, in Nigeria, these parties are, have no relevance to our history. This idea, <laughs> they, they, they do not represent any ideology. There's no difference in ideology between between the parties. They are they are all about the elite and the elite interests. That's it. So I think that is one thing that we need to tweak in our liberal democracy. Yes, fantastic. And it sounds to me like it is education because what you just touched on now is a, a revelation to me in the sense that identifying party politics as the challenge mm. and that perhaps if more and more people realize it, and then the, the, the question is, because many times for many people, liberal democracy goes with party politics. But what you are saying here is actually it doesn't have to. It doesn't have there to. There is another way if you look at yourselves. Yes. And do that. Mm. The other thing I'm I'm wondering about is about peace, peacemaking, because in on the continent there are conflicts that are happening between people. When I look at them, I say these are brothers and sisters, and they're good conflicts that are benefiting other people. Mm -hmm. And and the way to make peace, but drawing on the ways that peace was made again in these societies, pre-colonialism, pre, mm. um, um, pre the Europeans coming, but mm. drawing onto that, whether there are any, any lessons, any examples of how peace was made that you've come across. If you don't have time for this now, it is something we can pick up next time. Yes, well, I mean, I can, I can briefly talk about it. Uh, yeah, you know, peace, peace and, uh, and war, were always present in uh, pre-colonial Africa. African peoples fought wars like other people. (laughs) They fought wars over resources. They fought wars over power, the power control, and they fought wars uh, based on their aspirations. But they also made peace. I, I recall a book by Robbins, Meet titled Warfare and Peace in West Africa. If I if I get that title right, in which he, he tries to explore, sorry, warfare and diplomacy. Yeah, warfare and diplomacy in West African history, uh, which is an attempt to kind of realize that both always go hand in hand. You know, there were times that you needed to fight wars, but there were times that you also needed diplomacy to manage society. So um, I think we all know that. The wars that we have in Africa can be can you know can be divided into uh, many parts. There are wars that originated from control of natural resources. That is the kind of war you see, for example, in the DRC, uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo. Right? It's about natural resources in which there are external powers involved because they are about accessing mines, tantanite and titanium and uh, diamond and other things like that. So they are natural resource conflicts. Yeah, and it, it seems to be starting in the middle, in the northern part of Nigeria as well. Yeah. Yes, 
Yes, yes, that is also happening. The roots of it, you can see the roots of it starting. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, there are many mines of gold here as well, but there are also wars that are that originated from, from inequality. Uh strictly like you know, like the like the one that you see in northern Nigeria too. Social inequality uh, also fueled certain wars, and then there are there then there are wars that came out of power struggle among the elite. Uh, which they then recruited their people. Those, we tend to think of them as ethnic wars or regional wars, like the one going on in, in Ethiopia, right? It's about a struggle between the state right and the regional right. Uh, but that conflict will have been managed if the elite are able to talk to one another. Has, oh, well, let us resolve this because our people are going to suffer for it if we go to war. But because they are disconnected from the needs of the people, so it's all about power. Of course, we see the untold hardship happening in, in, in Ethiopia. So we so these conflicts are of different dimensions. And uh, but at the end of the day, it is it is the it is the uh when there's no will on the part of the people who are the leaders to resolve these kind of conflicts in a, in a, in a more peaceful way, then, then they, they, they degenerate into, into bloodshed, as, as we are seeing. Um, I think in the, in the past, most wars in Africa were fought to minimize destruction of lives, right? You fight your wars in a way that you minimize number of people that will that will die, you know, from it, you know. So there were some words like that. But when we begin to talk about that, is the kind of war you see in uh, uh, what we call, for be- for lack of a better word, acephalous uh, societies. They try to minimize the impacts of conflict on the on their people. And therefore, the wars are quick. If at all they happen, they are quick. They lasted briefly, and then they find a truce. And uh, there are also ways in which societies try to resolve conflict without having a victor and without having a, 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 a vanquished, the losers. Mm. They create an ideology of, you know what? We shouldn't have fought this war. We made a mistake. Don't worry. There's no winner. There's no loser. Let us find a middle ground to work together. So what they could have done from the beginning, they then eventually do it because they want to minimize hardship. So there are societies that operate that. So that, that is the principle that, that guided after the end of the Nigerian Civil War. That was the kind of principle. It's like going back to that, tradi- to that historical period whereby two brothers or two sisters enter warfare they shouldn't have entered and then when they realize that wow this hardship is too much let us find a common ground to move forward so that that is another way in which africans try to resolve their differences in the past but they could also do that without getting into warfare they can also do that by by, by working out truces uh, between the opposing parties so, yeah, but I think uh, the configuration of Africa today, Africa is living in the 20th, 21st century. <laughs> it's not living in the 15th century. 
Uh, we have to be realistic that the state actors, well, first of all, the state is a different beast. We never have this kind of uh, political units before. A political unit whereby you cannot enter it without a document. Yeah. They say you have to be a citizen to, you know. So we don't, we never had this kind of political system yeah. before. So it's a new beast, and therefore the state actors have a different agenda. They have a different view of the world. So it is not inevitable that there will be war, but it is uh, inevitable that uh, Africans need to figure out a better, better ways of handling their internal crisis so that it does not generate degenerate you see mo- for the most part africans don't fight wars against other countries if you look at it very well most wars in africa are within the state yeah. they are not they are not one country trying to attack another country yeah. almost every conflict in africa today they are about internal crisis internal problems that the state agents the state actors are not able to resolve. Yeah, See, so, and so, sometimes, like in the Ethiopian one or some of the ones in East Africa, the government of another country is sometimes accused of supplying arms and people to help another one. So, but it is not a con- conflict between the two countries. No. But there's almost infiltration to assist and change the course of conflict within it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, from what well from what you've said, it is a new dawn. The kind of wars are different. They're now about resources, power, inequality, so different from what they used to be. Mm-hmm. And it just I guess the wondering here is who is it who is looking on the continent to say, how can we look at what used to work to figure out how we make peace? is who is it um, that is looking? Because you people, like people like you have the knowledge of what used to be. Is anybody speaking to you to understand this in order to then fashion a new way? Uh, history is the most disdained subject in most African countries, as you very well know. History is not something that we take seriously. And uh, we basically live in a vacuum of time. And when you live in the vacuum of time, things like these bad things will happen because you would not be able to, to turn to the past, to ask questions. Say, no, how did my ancestors resolve this kind of problems? See, this problem is not new. These problems have, been, have happened over time in history. How did they resolve it? So we have state actors who are deficient in memory. They are deficient in historical memory. And therefore, they are likely to repeat same mistake and same mistake all over and all over again. Because our educational system is not not a place where history is taken seriously and where history is, our historians uh, like me, like Professor McDonald, uh, are tapped into as resources to guide state actors in what they do. 
You know, they don't consult historians as people that can guide state policies. So policymakers think that they know it all and they go to UK to learn it. They go to the, come to the UK, US to watch it and they know it. And therefore, you know, without realizing that you are not managing automatons, uh, 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 you are managing people. <laughs> okay, people yeah. with memory, people with history, you need yeah. uh, with, with culture, you need all these human resources, all these, all these, all the elements that makes us human to to govern. So, uh, I mean, uh, no one is coming to me. Uh, mm. Mm. To, to, so let's hope yeah. that perhaps that the, the fact that we are having this discussion on a podcast that will go out there, even if it doesn't land with the current leaders, future mm. leaders, it might land to, with them that in order to break the cycle, perhaps they need to go back. Amen. Thank you very much for, okay. for your time. And I look forward to, I hope you like, accept a, a future invitation to, to talk more because there's so much more to talk about. I look forward to it.